Go Light presents Murder Most Irish. Carly Rae Jepsen. What's she doing with herself now? Well, she's famous. Gays love her. Do they? Oh, when I tell you the gays love her. The gays love Cher, anal beads, and Carly Rae Jepsen. In did that you order. see... I'm just going to ignore the middle one. <laughs> um, did you see um, Cher's... Like, she's doing on... It's like virtual fashion for Balmain? No. Oh my God, the videos are amazing. I saw she was banging a very younger man. Fair play to her. I don't know who he was, but... I don't know who he'd bother. I, when I tell you, I wouldn't be bothered. I'd be like, listen, going to bed, good night. Uh, what is it? Virtual fashion? What does that yeah, mean? Yeah, it's like fashion that people make on. It's like this meta thing. Okay, I have to have But it's there. actually super... This one's cool. Oh, sure, you fucking ride. A ride. Oh my God, look at her. Like... That's ridiculous. She's a witch. She looks astoundingly good. Like, I guess she's had loads of plastic But look at her body. But, like, look at her. Have you seen that clip that's going around TikTok? Well, it wasn't. So here's the thing. Trixie Mattel was telling this story on Uh. And she was saying, you know, Uh. Or their YouTube show. And she was talking about how there was an interview years and years and years ago. Cher called into some news line show on television. But she didn't say who she was. And she was, she had been at like a USO show for soldiers and the soldiers were complaining about the safety of their helmets. So she rang into the show and was like complaining about the fact that the soldiers had said that they needed help with their, with their helmets. But it's so obviously Cher, cause she's Cher, she looks like this. So the guy is like, what do you do? And she's like, I'm an entertainer. And he's like, what, what do you do? What, what kind of entertainment do you do? She's like, I'm just an entertainer. And he goes to her, is this Cher? And she goes, yeah. <laughs> Trixie Mattel does the best impression of it but I found the video the other day where oh, she called in and I was like that's crazy but I was like Cher's just calling up uh, news channels Cher's like, dead fucking right the soldiers need better helmets also Cher on Twitter is my favourite thing in the entire universe she doesn't give a fuck no she hates Donald Trump yeah speaking of Donald Trump midterm elections in the US are going well yeah they didn't go his way a little bit of positivity uh, which is nice nice shout out to Gen Z and Gen Z's and, are killing the game and the millennials that voted as well who were yeah. not shout out to the middle aged white women who continue to shoot themselves in the face repeatedly by voting for people who hate them it's um, so weird shout out to Brazil for voting Lula yeah. in well done Bolsonaro fans are gone mental but you know what whatever we're glad um, any other good political stuff no everything else garbage but those two things Thumbs up. We're thinking of your all. We're also thinking of everybody in the tech sector right now. Yeah. Because my God, what the fuck? Obviously, because I was listening to a thing on it last week and they were saying they overemployed during the pandemic. Yeah. Obviously, that's what happened. But people with lots of money always make stupid decisions. Elon Musk. <laughs> what is happening? I deleted my Twitter completely because I'm not giving him money. But, uh, Should we delete our one? No, it's up to you. I don't mind. Uh, Flavia's been sending me screenshots of things that are happening. And I'm, I'm really like, enjoying what's happening this on it. This is insanity. Oh my God. The, the fucking insulin. The insulin yeah, which thing was like the best thing. Also, the company is pure evil and it's a evil. Pure evil. Uh, like, wiped millions of dollars off the did face. Did they do it to like an arms company as well? Uh, yeah. Then they um, someone pretended to be... Um, 
George Bush and then someone pretended to be um, Tony Blair and they were like I miss killing Iraqis I miss killing Iraqis same same and they're, both, they're all blue verified that, blue ticked what did he think was see this is the narcissism and the hubris of a person that thinks everybody likes them because the second he bought that website I was like they're going to destroy you Twitter is not there to lick your balls there's a small fraction of people I that think, are I think it's the hubris of people I think it's the hubris of he just genuinely from the outside was like oh I can fix this like just the arrogance of like I've no idea what's going on in this company and I've no idea yeah. how big it is and yeah. I've no idea it, what like cause what is happening the people in Twitter were like this thing is hanging on by a tread they were like you have no idea how bad this yeah, is I think they're scrambling like they're and then like he took over and was like uh, we're gonna let lay off like thousands, thousands of people and um, also we're just like if you wanna be verified just give us eight dollars and what? And then he was like, "And you're not allowed to impersonate me." He like Katy Griffith. I saw that. It was like banned from Twitter because yeah. she impersonated Elon Musk. And like this, I'm seeing somebody right under one of his tweets. They were like, uh, well, "And the N word, shut up!" Because people up were up. like, "Let's see, let's test." Yeah. Like it's, it's free speech. I don't understand what's happening. It's very bizarre, uh, but it feels very on brand for the last ten years. Do you know what I mean? It feels on brand. For this Elon feels Musk. just feels on brand for everything that's going on. But his fanboys need to. Uh, Go yes. outside, oh. touch some grass. Elon Musk's a genius. Touch a boob, maybe. He's a genius. Like they fully have convinced themselves this man is a Elon genius. Elon Musk is a genius. He's not a genius. I assure you, this man is not a genius. He is currently tanking Tesla. SpaceX is gone, and he's going to tank Twitter. Like he's not a genius. He's not. Like, please stop this. People equate genius stop to money. Stop this madness. And I'm like, the Kardashians are billionaires. What do you think they're? Mm-hmm. No, there's. Do you know what it is, Emma? He's a man. He's a man. I, I heard a, a lady on a podcast last week and I can't remember what uh, what was it I'll tell you what it was it was Maeve Higgins on Adam Buxton Maeve Higgins Maeve Higgins you know, the, I love that one I love Maeve Higgins so she was Aunt Adam Buxton she's she, the sweetest voice she's so nice and she has a podcast with Mary Robinson about climate control wow yes. so she they were talking about Elon Musk and she said she knows what type of person Elon Musk is because Elon, the worst type of people are people who think they're funny and want to desperately be funny and they're not. Oh. And that's what he is. Like when he went into the Twitter office holding a sink being like, let this sink in. Like that's his, what? that's what he did. There's a photo of him carrying a sink being like, let this sink in. Like that's, he thinks he's funny oh. and it's so painful to watch. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, you have millions of billions of dollars. You have any woman would throw themselves at your disgusting dick for money. You have everything you've ever need, but you are so painfully unfunny and unloved that this is why you behave like this. Let that sink in, he said, whilst carrying a sink. Sorry. Like, it's bad. It's bad, but very on brand for the world, I think, for the last 10 years. Um, but yeah, that's uh, the, the hot topics. <laughs> Welcome to uh, this oh, hello. week's episode. Oh. Hello. Welcome to this week's episode of Murder Most Irish. Hello, everybody. We hope everybody had a nice time doing what you've been doing. Because we weren't here last week. Sarah was uh, down in Longford. And if you want to hear about that, you have to go to join the Patreon. Catch and fish. Nope. No. No fishing. No fishing. No fishing at all. No, none. Not a bit of fishing. Graham went clay pigeon shooting and you don't even shoot and you don't even shoot anything. It's laser. I'm like clay pigeon shooting and then he is went Is that for safety? Fuck off if it's for safety is well, load But bugs. that's the best part but I've never and done then it. I have to laugh because Lenny was to go with him. Right. And she like the morning of she was like I don't want to go and I was like Lenny and she was like I don't want to see daddy shoot any pigeons and I was like no they're not real I don't want to see fake pigeons and I was like alright grand you could stay here. 
Yeah. But she was in Centre Parks. I was in Centre Parks she had a great time. the yups and yups. the yos and yeah. the uh, middle class With and this. the mums that have too many kids and are continuing to have more kids. kids like with all of the babies on the balance bikes Stop and it. the children whose parents are just like do you know what you, do what you want how do people manage more than one child I don't know because me and Graham really struggle when we've got Laurie fair play to you when you've got Laurie and Lily Graham when we leave Laurie home Graham yeah. always goes oh, I'm not, I never like yeah. no yeah. I'm not having another one like when no one I always find when I'm in the airport I'm stressed out for parents I'm in the airport like I was in the airport the last time I went to Scotland and I was in that little area you know the circle things you can sit into yeah. and there was a woman and she had two children and they were murdering each other uh-huh. like she kept she kept stopping them and she's like you're gonna stop and they'd be like yeah and then they'd run off to the corner like beating heads off each other they're dead right so on for half an hour and I was like this woman how are you doing this I always feel bad when they're on the plane and the kids cry I know because it's not their fault like it's not the parents fault do you know mm. what I mean like I I mean, sometimes a kid, kids cry, man. That's what they do. Like, they're going to scream. They're going to cry. They're on a fucking airplane. Their ears are popping. They don't know, they're in a, they don't know what's going on. You know, so, you know, when you ever see people giving them filthies or whatever, I'm like, it's not their fault. I always like as well the parents that threaten their kids with the staff. They're like, she's going to come over here now. My favourite thing, I remember being in Manchester and coming through and it was during the summer, so people were going on their summer holidays and his family had um, <clears throat> a kid who clearly had like he was like clearly like had never been on a holiday and never been to an airport and he had like a bag of gold coins okay <laughs> I have no idea why he had a bag of gold coins and like a, like they put them in one of those like clear bags and the whole way up they were right behind me the whole way up they were like you have to give that to the man and it has to go through the machine like you have this is clearly like his idea of a blankie like whatever like, this, this is, is mine I love it yeah right and they were like no 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 like we can't go through he got up and he was just like, you are not getting these fucking gold coins off me. I will go through that machine with these. Like, you can fuck off all of you. Like, he sat on the floor with them. And he was like, no, it's not happening. And then the man got involved and then the family were like, the man's going to throw you out of the airport. Like, And the kid was like, I don't care because I get to keep my gold coins if I get out of this fucking airport. Like, and it went on for like 20 minutes and the whole time I was just like, man, that's shit. That and then finally shit. they got like them off him <laughs> He went through the machine and he had two in his pocket. Are you joking? <laughs> oh, bless him, And then though. he was like, he took them out and the man was like, you have to put them through. And he was like, no, I'm not putting them through. I saw a guy at the airport last week. Uh, now, I think he was being dumb. And he had a two, one liter bottle of Jameson in his bag. His carry on. And I put through and your mom was like, we're going to have to throw this away. And he was like, it's a full bottle of Jameson. And he was like, you're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed. But he's like, it's going to be on the plane anyway. And they were like, you can't do this. What? And he was like, kicking off. But at the same time, a man tested my bag for drugs three times. So I was sweating a little bit. I said, did I take cocaine? I don't know about. Oh, he tested it over and over again. I kept going, I just have to, I just have to, come, I just have to come back. I was like, sir. Yeah, but when they search you, they're not going to find anything. But still, at the same time, the second time, when the second time kicked in, I was like, all right, did somebody put something in my bag? Like, in the sweat. Like, and you know, I often think if it was on one of those shows, like, you know, Border. Oh, yeah, show, They'd be like, she started to sweat profusely. Because that, I was literally like, like this. But I didn't have any drugs for all No. Things. But uh, yeah, he was kicking off. He was like, it's a liter bottle of Jameson. Now, I did go through, and I'll name drop him here. T-Breezy. Taryn and Brennan. Go on. I went through the airport with Taryn and Brennan, and I swore I would never do it again. Because he was like, I just like, I just, uh, I don't take anything out. 
And I was like, sorry? And he was nope. like, uh, nine times out of ten, nothing happens. And I was like, well, this is a fucking one yep. time out of fucking ten. Legitimately. And then we're yeah. like 50 minutes. And I, I stood there for 20 minutes and then I just went to him, do you know what? Fuck this. Yeah. And I left him. And he was like, I was like, I'm not standing here no. with you when I could be sitting down, having a drink and a packet of crisps. Yeah. No, fuck that shit. Just do what they say. Like, it's not that difficult. You know what I mean? There are like, so many people in Manchester so Airport that do not. A Manchester Airport has some stupid rules, but. Oh, what are their rules? Like anything with a plug. Oh, uh, EMA is the same. East Midlands Airport. I used to have to take out like my hair straightener and, and I'd be like, I'm not, I'm not joking. I mean, these people are on holidays. And they had a kettle. Sorry. Yeah, he was like, the dad was holding like a kettle and the mum was holding the plug off it. And I was like, they give you a kettle in your hotel room. Why are you bringing a fucking kettle? A kettle they had to take out of their carry-on bag. And oh, I was here, like, would you fuck off? Like, um, but people in the airport lose all common sense, I think. I think so too. I think you just What's got- that man doing with a bottle of Jemson like? Full bo- one litre bottle of Jameson in his backpack. And he's like, but it's going to be on the plane either way. And the guy was like, that's not how it works. No. <laughs> no. That's not how it works since uh, 2000 and... When, uh, whatever. When did the 9-11 happen? One. Because they want to put a rag in it and light it. 2001, I think. Yeah. When was 9-11? 2001. Do you remember where you were? Yes. Where? I was... On the Mitch. No, I wasn't where actually. But I wasn't in school. Where were you? I had been at the dentist oh. and I came, I, I didn't have to go back to school and I came home and my dad was uh, going to paint the hall. Right. So he asked me, he's painting the ceiling in the hall. He asked me to like rip up black bags yeah, and put them on the ground. sellotape them to the ground. And I was in the hall looking in the sitting room, watching telly. Right. Whilst I was supposed to be sellotaping these bags and I was watching Channel 4. Oh, and it came on. And the telly just changed. And it was like there's been a, a plane has flown into the first tower the to, 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 to a tower of the World Trade Center. And as I, I was like, I literally and I were, I said to my dad, dad, I, I like I think there's a movie. I think there's a movie, movie that they're coming on. And my dad came in and my mom came in and we were all sitting in the sit- like standing in the sitting room. And then my mom went in and turned on the telly in the kitchen. And she was like, no, it's on and it's on it's on, on other stations. And then the second plane hit. And we watched it. We just sat there and watched the whole thing. And the next day I went to school and I bought, I still have them. I bought every newspaper. Just to have like what was on I the I bought every like. single newspaper the next day and I still have them in my airport while you're in the shed. That's crazy. Because I, I was in, my friend Jennifer in school, her dad had a, he used to like rent houses which got like a, a state agent and he yeah. had an office down the town and we were, because it happened at eight o'clock in New York. So what time is it in Ireland? It was like, like one. It was lunchtime. Nine, 12, one. Yeah. So we were on lunch and we walked down and we went to Jen's dad's office because he was giving her money and he had a little television in the corner. And we walked in and he just went to us. They're after putting a plane into the World Trade Center in New York and we were like, what? So yeah. I remember we just stood there for like 25 minutes watching it and then going back to school and everybody was like, was that real? Like, because we didn't know yeah, if it was I real. Yeah, because I wasn't in school. So like, I just remember I'd had like something done with my teeth. Yeah. I was in the dentist and I just remember being like, I just remember knowing that in that moment everything had changed. And that kind of feeling of like I remember being like, Oh maybe it was an accident, but I knew it wasn't an accident. I was like, No, I knew it like I yeah, I knew when the second plane hit. I was like because the first plane when in the in the news they were like, like, There's being a there's been an accident. A terrible accident. A plane has like hit the World Trade Center and then the second one hit. And then I just remember watching the people jump. I remember, and I remember, uh, yeah, but I remember, it's mad that, like, I remember exactly where, I remember the next day, I remember what shop I bought the newspapers That's in. That's crazy. It's mad that it's such a, uh, uh, 
strong image in our psyche from that because I remember my cousins lived in America and I remember my aunt my mum bringing my auntie Eileen and asking her where Helen and Brenda and Kate okay that was the first she was like are they okay and uh, Eileen was like yeah they're alright they're fine because they were like right you know as Helen and Kate were they in they work in the, in the city were they in Manhattan that day yep they were in Manhattan so it's scary like it's frightening but yeah like it's crazy and then oh, do you know what else is really fascinating about that whole thing is the people who lied about being in the in world the, yeah. I watched the Channel 4 documentary yeah. about it I was like what the fuck why would you why but then obviously mentally ill like also, there's something I, yeah, wrong yeah there's there. something wrong I always I the, like the things that happened afterwards were always the oh, thing for me. me so like the lying thing but then the, the songs that got banned on the radio yeah and they 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 stopped airing of television shows. They stopped airing of movie. Movies weren't allowed to um, come out. Spider Man. Spider Man didn't yeah. come out because there was a scene where he was on the World Trade Center. It's crazy. Um, and then what used to have uh, friends? Yeah. Friends used to have the world like the skyline. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then I remember the big show as well. Do you remember they put on the big like yes. show in um, Madison Square Garden? Yeah. Um, I also remember I used to always watch um, what you called with John Stewart. Um, the Daily Show. Oh yeah, and I remember the episode after it happened. And mm. I was like, this is so fucking weird. Yeah, but then and then you know as you get older, you suddenly realise what happened there, as they say, happens elsewhere every day of the week. Yeah, but it's just because it's the West and we're so like yeah. used to that. But yeah, there is our chat about the nine eleven for so some random. reason. So random. Hmm. Shout out to everybody in America. Shout out to all of you people in America. And well done to as I said, all the people that voted the way they should have voted, and things are getting a little bit better. I think are they maybe mm, I don't know I think they are I think I they think are I think positive all we need to think lads is the next generation have come they're up they great. can vote and we've got Gen Z's now in the Senate yep like they're, these people they're killing the game they are like the time of like abortion and like healthcare mm-hmm. and like fair working hours and annual leave pay in they're America they're sick of y'all like, they're sick of y'all um, all of that like basic fucking you know, living conditions, mm-hmm. basic employment rights. They're all coming. They're all coming. Shout out to Gen Z. I don't like shitting on other generations. I think it's horrible. You know, people shit on other generations. You know, they're like, shit on oh, over the boomers. Millennials, boomers. Whatever. We just got shot on from a hype by millennials anyway forever. So, or not millennials, uh, boomers. Yeah. They just think we're the worst people that have ever existed. Yeah. So, what gets me about boomers, right? Where they're like, they genuinely just don't get the next generation. No. I'm like, you literally were the generation that like changed it all yeah. that like we're like the first generation of teenagers yeah. and now you're shitting on like the first people? generation of like fucking love and peace and like Woodstock like and that's you know your generation yeah. and now you're like shitting oh man I gotta remember his pronouns yeah it's like like for My a generation of is, you've seen that TikTok video where the guy's like oh it's pronouns what a snowflake and then he's like the mermaid's black <laughs> that is what it is and it's also like you watch them and it's like you as you said you were the generation of like Woodstock and free love and, and anti-war, anti-war and like I'm not going movement. to Vietnam and, and then so many of those people became conservative yeah they like so many of them became conservative there's a guy I'll get the name of him I'll put in the episode he did a his father did photography when he was younger and he took tons of photographs of people in Woodstock so this guy decided to try it's a photo book he tried to find some of those people and speak to them now 95% of them are conservative 
95% of them. What? And it's just so bizarre to me. I'm like, how do you are? Because as I get older, I'm getting more liberal. Like, I'm not like going, yeah. I don't. I'm like, I want to learn more and I want to know more about people and I want to understand more and I want to know that there's differences. But for some reason, they just kind of got stopped at a point and they were like, no, we hate you. And if you have a pronoun, we think you should die. Yeah. Anyway. Have you got any housekeeping? Housekeeping. Yeah. Uh, thank you to everybody that's continuing to buy our merchandise. We very much appreciate it. You're all very kind. Uh, I like when our little... Uh, I like when it's like, hey... Hey, Sarah Jane, you got a sale. Or they do that thing once... Here's your production. Here's your production, blah, blah, blah. Like production. Like, what, what are you talking you about? This isn't a... Stuck a thing on a thing. Yeah. Uh, but just to say thank you to everybody who is continuing to buy our yeah, merchandise. Yeah, no, we really appreciate we it. Do. And thank you to all the new people that signed with our Patreon. Yes, thank you very, 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 we very, We really, much. really appreciate it. And this week's Patreon, we talk about a number of things. And there is a mailbag. Not 9-11. And he also tells me about last week's story on Patreon. Because I don't listen. She didn't hear it. Um, but no, we want to thank you all who join our Patreon and who considered continue to support yeah, uh, these are the, best. the podcast these are amazing thank you so actually, much actually last week I did the Lady of the Dunes because like, I know some people are interested in that so if you want to hear oh it. the Lady of the Dunes is on last Dunes. week's Patreon um, it's this no it was yeah yeah yeah, yeah last week last yeah, week's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's this week's Patreon I'm talking about now we're very so. confused uh, also I had something else to say thank you to everybody for your lovely Instagram messages also thank you to Bernie who sent Sarah on where she can get her hot nuts <laughs> She's gonna go and she's gonna get some hot nuts, Bernie. She's I back have from to holiday. Do the thing for Phoebe. So, Twofold Print Studio, which follows us on Instagram, and Emma's gonna put it up on the yep. Instagram today because I'm gonna send it to her while I'm sitting here. She is doing a charity campaign of a tea design, um, which is a t-shirt design. Donations all go towards Mental Health UK. It's only up for 20 days, so just want to try and raise as much money as she can. Um, designs are inspired from the cost of living crisis, and the design is called Frankly Can't Relax. It is on weareprintsocial.com forward slash campaigns. And we will put the link up on our Instagram. But if you can afford to buy this beautiful t-shirt, which is amazing, and give money to Mental Health UK in the same um, vein, we would really appreciate it. And Phoebe would really appreciate it. But if you can't, we totally get it because there is a cost of living crisis. My mortgage has gone up by 400 euro. That's disgusting. But anyhow. We're going to live in the forest. Um, We... We really appreciate it if yeah. you can, and we totally get it if you can. Also, Phoebe did our 84 Cunts poster, so if you're wondering who she is. Yeah, and her work is amazing. Her work is beautiful. She's an absolute sweetheart. She deserves all the nice things in life, so please, if you can support Phoebe, I'll put up the link on our Instagram, and yes, that's what we shall do. Isn't it mad to think that there are more food banks in England than there are in America? Yep. But everything's fine, and the king is there, and uh, we spent millions on burying an old woman, and la 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 la. Oh. Royalists are fucking nuts. They're fucking nuts. Um, I have nothing else. I don't have any more housekeeping. Just thanks to everybody who sent in lovely messages on Instagram. I really appreciate them. Um, do you have anything else? Um, no, I don't have anything else. I have nothing Other else. than I am thinking about all of the women who are affected by the story we're about to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, you're about to tell. I did nothing for this story. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, like I... This this story is terrible. It is. And it's going to be a twofer? It's a twofer. Oh, I forgot to say. So this is going to be... We're going to do a twofer. I'm going to do the first part this week and the next part next week. So I'm going to kick up my... Sarah's not doing anything. Um, because I did this and it, the first part of it is 15 pages long. So... Oh, happening? before we go on, can I just really say thanks? All the people that said that I did a really good job on the episode. The, like... 
Irene. Uh, it made her feel good. Yeah, I've been looking for validation. She wants validation. Give her validation. Um, and I haven't been getting it, but I really appreciate <laughs> it. Someone, well done. I always tell you well done. No, I know, but it doesn't. It's not the same. I always tell you well done. Well, you don't mean it. Is that what you mean? No, I mean that we do mean it, but we just hang around with each other. That it's like, yeah, whatever. She's just saying. That. Tell Sarah well done, just for anything she does. Yeah, no, I really need validation. Like, come on, my shoes. Well done. Yeah. Give her validation. Um, we all need validation. But, yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you. Mm-hmm. You're fine. Um, enjoy this ad because Colin's going to put an ad in here. Hey, Colin, tell us about the Patreon. Sure thing, Lily Pops. Hey there, MMI fans. It's me, Colin, and do I have news for you. It's all going down over at www.patreon.com forward slash Irish, where we've totally revamped our Patreon offering for you mega fans. That's right. Now all of your favorite Patreon stuff can be found in one place as we bring you our MMI Super Show exclusively for Patreon. Featuring all the usual banter and chat between Emma and Sarah Jane, plus me thrown into the bargain. Along with Lily's Tales, Maximilian's Bell Bag and some surprises along the way. But that's not all. Every single week, due to popular demand, we will be bringing you a full-length story. Whether it be Miscellaneous Most Irish for those cases that just don't fit on the main show. Murder Most international for those cases you guys have been crying out for or even music most awesome where we talk about our favorite albums but wait there's even more how about mmi drive the fan favorite podcast show where emma and sarah jane drive around dublin talking about all sorts of shite plus our monthly ask me our segment where you get to pick the brains of the girls and maybe even ask me a question or two so what are you waiting for come on over to www.patreon.com for forward slash murder most Irish and join in the fun for only six euros a month give my mommy six euro but yes we're going to do our story massive huge ginormous trigger warnings in this entire story I'm, uh, I'm gonna struggle for mentioned she's gonna struggle yeah of cancer because I know a lot of people kind of get upset when they read about cancer I don't want to do that to anybody I had I heard the most terrible horrendous story today and I have not been able to stop thinking about it. This man that works with me okay. was like, he was upstairs and I was like chatting away to him. And I was like, you okay, you seem a bit off. And his nephew, oh, no. who's nine months old, has got, to- like, got told today that he has brain cancer and then was taken in for seven hour surgery oh, and I was goodness. like so upset when he was telling me and I was like I don't like there's nothing I can say yeah. other than that's fucking horrendous it's horrific and then uh, then I started crying and he was like oh, I feel re-. I was like, no, like it's just there's don't feel bad I was like that's just like there's nothing no. there's nothing I can say that is remotely in any way like helpful oh. or and apparently like his his um sister-in-law like really struggled to get pregnant like really struggled oh my god and I was like Jesus Christ I don't even know man it made me I haven't stopped thinking about and then I rang him when I was coming here and I was like any word is he out and they were like he said yeah they've got 50% of it but he now has to have like fucking intense chemotherapy it's nine months old but that's like um, you know Rob Delaney He's doing, yeah. uh, you know, stuff for his book at the moment. And I'm like, I listened to one podcast he was on and I was like, I can't do this. Do you know one of the things, he's done so many great things to bring
I, I obviously it's not the same thing my granddad was old but my yeah. granddad had cancer and he Still, ended up having brain cancer horrible, and the thing I hated most about the entire thing what? was that when people would just like not talk to me about it yeah or they would do that thing where they were like, oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. It's the ignoring thing. And, and he was saying, he was like, what I wanted to be, he was like, there were so few people. He said The Rock was like one of the only people. He was like, The Rock was just like, that is fucking horrific. And I am like, I'm sorry. That is fucking mm-hmm. terrible. Yeah. And he was like, and I would prefer someone said that said to that. me yeah. than pretend it just, ne- like, then just be like, I don't want to talk I about it. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Um, and even when um that man in work told me today and I was like, what the fuck? And he was like, you're, he was like, I I said it to somebody else and they were just like, he was like, they just kind of left me alone. He was like, but you're the, the only thing, person yeah. that was like, it's fucking awful. Are you okay? I do think people, do you need to be there? Yeah, like yeah, go yeah. home. Like you can't, like what? How would you this is pointless. Everything we do here is pointless. You need to leave. Like I know that people do sometimes when terrible things happen, they go to work as a distraction. But something like that, you oh, can't like, distract like, yourself. Get out here. You just can't distract yourself from that. Like, Not even now, but like during those moments, you're like, like you when I came in here. Like, what's yeah. the point? What's the point? Like, yeah, just be. It's and as well. Like I think sometimes I would find that maybe when people tell you things like that, I do understand people's reaction of being like, Jesus Christ, I'm so sorry. I get that because what do you say? Yeah, yeah. What do you say? Like, but I think that's better. I think that, I think yeah. you saying to me, what do, what I, do I say? say? Like, how do I, what it's do, better how do I than, help? I don't know how to help. Like, like yeah. I just, yeah, but I just felt for him. I was like, get oh, the fuck my life. out of here because nothing we do here matters. Well, I have every thought and prayer for that little boy and I really hope he's okay. Mm. And then he gets, but like, it's not right, Sarah. It's oh, just not right. No. Like, if you sat down and thought about it, you wouldn't fucking get up in the morning. Like, no. that's not right. So, trigger warning. That, trigger warnings for mentions of cancer. Um, because I know a lot of people are really affected. Listen, every single person you know on the planet is affected by cancer. Every single person you've met has had someone pass away or suffer from cancer. So I know it can be very difficult. So please just look after yourselves and don't listen to this if you're not able to. Um, so I'm going to talk about Vicky Phelan and the cervical cervical check scandal. Um, Vicky passed away two days ago, and Lindsay Bennett passed away last yes. week. Um, Vicky was a campaigner. Um, during her life at the end of her life um, because it was a cervical check scandal in Ireland which I will talk about she did incredible work she shouldn't have died no Lindsay Bennett these 17 people that did die should not have died but there's no reason for them to die Um, the government should be ashamed of themselves and the HSE should be ashamed of themselves and there's no other way to look at it the fact that we're still continuing as a country with some of these people still in power is absolutely astounding to me um, and ahead of her COVID strategy, yeah. is number one in yeah, this. And that the HSE wasn't stripped and rebuilt is astounding to me as well because this could very well happen again. Yeah. So as I said, I'm going to talk about Vicky Phelan. But this is a repeat. We had the yeah. exact same thing with the hepatitis. The hepatitis. Yeah. My mother was in that. So was batch. my. So was my mum. My mum got got told that she could potentially have it. My mum had a blood blood my transfusion. Didn't now. Thankfully. And my mum thankfully didn't. But my yeah. mom had a blood mum had a blood transfusion in the 80s like yeah. mid to late 80s and was told then and she cannot because she had a blood transfusion in Ireland during that period of time she can't donate blood yeah my mum couldn't for a while she can't now my mum had it in the UK so it was the time of the UK we're going through the same thing they had that scandal as well Um, but she was okay with Becky she had to have blood transfusion so yeah we're going to talk about this as I said please avoid listening if it's something that you think is going to deeply trigger you um, to anybody who doesn't know about Vicky and what happened um, I hope this gives you some insight i have about seventy thousand references so i'm not going to read them out but they will be in the show notes 
um, there's a lot and I have more for the next episode so you can go through this I will say masterful journalism going on in Ireland at this time and the amount of people that wrote about what was happening and were not afraid to get the gritty details and put them in they were in no fear of like the government or the HSC so just thank you to the journalists and the podcasters and everybody else who worked on this amazing work so I'm going to start to talk about Stephen and Irene Teep So Stephen and Irene Teep met when they were 19 years old, working in a sports shop in County Cork. Irene was saving up as she was in university and Stephen was getting ready to travel to Australia. Stephen said when he met Irene, it was an instant connection that they clicked. He felt like he had met someone he could see himself spending the rest of his life with. The two began dating and fell in love and Irene, to the chagrin of her parents, decided not to continue with university, but instead spent her savings on moving to Australia with Stephen. So they were only 19 And he said her parents were like, oh, Jesus Christ. So Steve and Irene went to Australia. They came back and they married in 2011. And in December 2012, they had their first son, Oscar. And then in April 2015, their second son, Noah, was born. Irene started having difficulties recovering from the birth of Noah, some of which the doctors put down to the fact that Irene's body had been through a lot. 18 weeks after Noah's birth and various tests, Irene was diagnosed with stage 2B cervical cancer. So stage 2B means the cancer has spread outside the cervix into the surrounding tissues. The main treatments are a combination of chemotherapy and radiotherapy. So she couldn't have a hysterectomy at that point because there was no no point. So she had to have chemo and radiotherapy. And this will be an ongoing theme. Okay. within this <clears throat> so like is is stage one where you have a hysterectomy stage one you can have a hysterectomy when it hits stage because stage one it's still centered to that area okay so removing that removes any risk but when it's already traveled outside the cervix there's no point so when it travels outside the cervix it's chemotherapy and radiotherapy and it's in the surrounding <clears throat> tissue of your yeah, body and it can be in your liver it can be in your kidneys it can be in your lungs it can be anywhere in your lymph nodes yeah. So the Teeps were shocked and completely devastated at Irene's diagnosis. They had two young children and were just beginning their married life together. Um, Irene began treatment immediately and it was an eight-week course with five days of radiotherapy and one day of chemotherapy. Jesus. Like she was so Radiotherapy sick. makes... Like she was people so think of chemo, but radiotherapy is so... Like you get burns yeah. and it's... You often see women that have breast cancer get radiotherapy. My like, mother-in-law had radiotherapy and my grandmother. Um, so Stephen and Irene had always wanted a large family, but Irene's treatment led to issues with fertility. And after finishing her treatment, the Teeps began looking into other options such as adoption and surrogacy. Stephen said Irene did not want cancer to define her or her family's life, but, quote, the plans that we had were being rewritten for us, which I think is so sad. Because mm. they were like, they wanted like three, four kids, and then obviously she couldn't. So. Roughly three months after Irene's treatment, the couple attended a consultation where they were told that Irene was clear from cancer. Okay. So the radiotherapy and chemotherapy worked. The treatment had been successful. Stephen said they were told to continue with their lives and that Irene would have to come for regular um, scans just to make sure everything was okay. So I think every like year she would go and get checked. And if she wanted to go to her gynecologist, she could, whatever. But cancer was gone. So the Teeps did just that. They were hopeful and happy. Irene was able to continue breastfeeding Noah as she had to stop during treatment. And this was something that greatly upset her. So Irene was a very big advocate for breastfeeding and she breastfed Oscar and then she wanted to continue breastfeeding Noah. She had to stop during the treatment. As soon as treatment was done, she could continue. That was something that meant a lot to her. In the summer of 2016, Irene began to get sick again. 
as the Teeps began to put their lives back together emotionally, physically and financially, because bear in mind, this costs a fuck ton of money. Like yeah. Irene couldn't work. They had two small children. Stephen had to continue to work. Irene developed a pain in her back that would not go away. The family had been on holiday a month previous and Irene had been carrying Noah in a sling. So she and Stephen put the pain down to this, as well as Irene always having some sort of issue with her back. Okay. Stephen said the pain got worse and worse to the point that sometimes whilst downstairs, he would hear Irene whimpering in pain. So it was really bad. In August of that year, Stephen then began to notice that his wife, who was always a thin person, began to lose weight rapidly. In September 2016, Irene went in for her follow-up appointment, where Stephen mentioned the pain in Irene's back and her weight loss. The doctor suggested as many tests as possible to rule out any underlying issues, and a few days later, Irene had a scan. So he was like, we don't know what it is. You could have just hurt yourself. The weight loss could be just down to, like, you know, certain lifestyle choices or whatever. We don't know. We're going to get you tested. Irene had the scan in the morning and by the afternoon she had received a phone call from the hospital to come back in with immediacy. Oh God. She had a lesion on her liver. The cancer was back. This time it was a secondary cancer in her liver and the doctors also discovered tumours on her lungs. Oh my God. Stephen said that the doctor's um, approach to Irene's cancer was different this time. That there was no mention of curing I- Irene but instead of Irene living with cancer. Mm. Stephen spoke of Irene's appearance during her first battle with the disease and how different her second battle was. He said, quote, when Irene got cervical cancer the first time, you couldn't tell she was sick. There was no hair loss and she looked exactly the same. Stephen told the podcast Left Behind, which is a great podcast on the Journal.ie podcast network. He said, quote, the second time around, because of the severity of the chemo, this was going to be hair loss. This is going to be bedridden. About, after about two sessions, Irene lost her hair. She became very self-conscious. She looked sick and everybody knew she was sick. So he said during her first part of the disease, she just looked normal. She looked, she just kept going because chemo and the radiation, radiotherapy weren't as severe mm. and the cancer wasn't there that long. So she was fine. But now Stephen said the second diagnosis of cancer was horrendous and Irene's life began to change irre- irrevocably. People treated her differently and the constant sympathy made her very uncomfortable. Another change was that Irene had to stop breastfeeding Noah permanently. Stephen said this absolutely broke her heart. This baby is so little. Little, tiny baby. At the start of July 2017, the doctors told Irene and Stephen they were stopping her treatment. The cancer was too aggressive. Irene and Stephen, for the first time in their battles against this disease, heard the word terminal. Stephen called this the worst day of his life. The consultant gave Irene only a matter of weeks to live. And Irene's one hope was to see Oscar start school before she died. Jesus Christ. A week later, Oscar was due to start school. Irene's pain intensified. And on a Tuesday evening, Irene's condition became so severe that Stephen knew his wife was going to die. At 4am on July 26th, 35-year-old Irene T passed away. She was surrounded by her family and Stephen. No one, Oscar, lay fast asleep upstairs. Stephen had to take on the unimaginable task of telling his two sons that their mum was dead. He spoke to Oscar and explained that the doctors did everything they could, but mummy had passed away. Stephen said Oscar broke down into tears. He said, quote, that memory is tattooed on the forefront of my mind forever. Stephen was unaware at this time that Irene's death was part of something much larger and much more awful than anyone in Ireland could understand. 
Irene, when first diagnosed with cervical cancer, had questioned many times how this had been missed. She had gone for regular smear tests, one in 2010 and another in 2013, and both had been clear of any abnormalities of precancerous cells. Stephen remembers Irene asking her consultant 50 to 100 times and being told that there were limitations in the screenings, that sometimes where the sample is taken from may not have cells. Although... Bullshit! This is what they were telling her. Although not satisfied with this answer, Irene accepted it at the time as her main focus was getting better. Yeah. So she was like... Like, your main focus... Like, you don't expect... Yeah, of course. That the the people who are supposed to look after you... Like, you yeah. think, okay, they're telling I'm me the specialist. truth. You're a specialist. Yep. And so my main goal is just to get better so exactly. I can see my kids. Exactly. I want to see them grow up, like. Um, this is going to fucking kill me, this episode. <laughs> Sorry. Stephen told of sitting on Irene's hospital bed hours after they t- were told she was terminal. Hours after he knew he would not have her for the rest of his life and she would not see her sons grow up. And a thick folder lay at Irene's feet. In it were pages and pages of documents regarding her treatment and diagnosis. One single page lay in between the paperwork. One single page that the Teeps did not know about. One single page that would explain what really happened to Irene. And one single page that could have saved her life. As Stephen, Oscar and Noah grieved the loss of Irene, a 43-year-old woman named Vicky Phelan was going through her own cervical cancer diagnosis. Vicky was a stranger to the Teeps, but her story would soon become deeply entwined with them and the lives of 221 other women in Ireland. So I'm going to talk a little bit about Vicky now. So Vicky Phelan Kelly was born on the 28th of October 1974 in Mooncoin, County Kilkenny. Her parents, John and Gabby, moved to Limerick and this is where Vicky grew up. She graduated from the University of Limerick with a BA in European Studies in 1997. In 2001, Vicky was appointed to the University of Limerick's International Education Division, where she managed the Erasmus programme. So Vicky's colleagues in UL described her as loyal, warm and professional, who was always progressive and very ambitious. So David Brennan is one of Vicky's friends. He was on a podcast uh, the other day, actually the day she died. I don't know how he did it. Uh, The podcast is called The Late Lunch Show. And it was the Monday, October 27th episode. So if you want to listen to that, he was on that and he talked about Vicky. So David Brennan, who grew up with Vicky, sorry, it was a news talk, I beg your pardon, spoke in news talk where he said that even as a child, Vicky was fiercely intelligent, kind and stood by her convictions. He said that Vicky, he knew, always fought for what was right and that she could get the best out of a bad situation. So Vicky married John Phelan and they went on to have two children, Amelia and Dara. Vicky would carry these traits into her adult life where she remained steadfast in her convictions, especially in 2014 at the age of 40, Vicky was diagnosed with cervical cancer. Vicky's life was very eventful and painful from a very early age. In 1990, at the age of 16, while in France, Vicky was in a vehicle involved in a horrific accident. Three passengers, including Vicky's boyfriend, were killed. Jesus. And Vicky was left in a coma for 10 days. Oh my God. Vicky, I didn't know that. Yeah. Vicky also suffered from postnatal depression after the birth of her first child, calling the depression, quote, worse than cancer. Like she gave an interview where she said, when she says that, people get a bit like, what? And she's like, no, you don't understand. She was like, the depression that I was in. She was like, I want to die. She was like, I don't want to die now that yeah. I have cancer. She's like, it's a different, it's a very different thing. 
There was another horrific incident in the Phelan's life when their daughter, Amelia, was burned badly when a spark from the fireplace ignited her nightgown. Oh my gosh. Amelia, Amelia was born with partial sight and was unaware that her nightgown was on fire immediately. And she's a very, she suffered injuries, but she survived. So she said it was absolutely fucking terrifying. Like, yeah. Like she's only a little thing. But... That lady, the head and shoulders lady. The lady who does the Dancing with the Stars. What's her name? With the She's fringe. really annoying. With the fringe. Claudia yeah. Winkleman. Yeah, her her daughter had an... It wasn't a nightdress. It was a Halloween costume. It was like a sparkler and it just went up. Fuck off. Yeah. Is she okay? And her daughter was badly burned, but she tells like... she that was terrifying. She did like a big campaign against like those kind of like items that... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, they're cause so flammable. Nightdresses and, yeah. and stuff like that. But um, she was saying like, it's just this moment where you're like, you're putting out the flames on your child. Yeah. It must be so scary. I couldn't imagine seeing mm. that, like, so terrifying. Amelia is a great name. Great, beautiful name. So, in 2011, Vicky, following the birth of her son, Dara, <clears throat> underwent a smear test with the cervical check. So, cervical check was a free screening process for the HSE, from the HSE, for women between 25 to 60. The screening service offered free smear tests at three to five year intervals. So, this is why Irene got one in 2010 and 2013, because it was, like, three to five years, because... Yeah, that's what it was. Uh, because cervical cancer can take a number of years to develop between 10 to 15 years. Mm-hmm. This way, abnormalities can be spotted quickly and either monitored or treated. And that's from the livejournal.ie at the link there. The test itself was to discover any abnormalities in the cells that could lead to cancer. So in parentheses, I said since March 2020, the language on this has changed and the test is now known as a HPV cervical screening. The HPV cervical screening test is a new test that looks for high risk types of HPV cells. These cells can cause cervical cancer. So before March 2020, a previous method of screening was used. This was called a smear test. And it was only to check for abnormal cells. Yeah. So, so my doctor switched. told... I, I said it to you in the yeah, car. Yeah. So my doctor was like, the previous test would look for cancer cells. Mm-hmm. And it would look for that first. And if that came negative, yeah. then it wouldn't... You wouldn't... Like your smear sample wouldn't continue on to the exactly, next bit. Exactly. Exactly. Which is the HPV, B, HPV bit. Which is the more important bit. Mm-hmm. And then the new s- test is... They do the HPV bit first, first, and then if that comes back abnormal, well, then that then moves on to the next bit, which exactly. is your cancer. Yeah. And then <clears throat> if it comes back abnormal, you get called back for a further, more, more invasive smear. Test. It's usually a colonoscopy that yeah. you get, yeah. So Vicky received the results, and it did not identify any nor- abnormalities. This was after the birth of Dara. Vicky continued to get her smear tests, and following some unusual vaginal bleeding in 2014, she underwent another. This time, the results would show high-grade changes, and following the colcoscopy, Vicky was diagnosed with cervical cancer. Vicky underwent further testing and scans, and was told that the cancer had now spread beyond her cervix. A hysterectomy was not viable, and Vicky would have to undergo, as Irene did, radiotherapy and chemotherapy. The treatment was incredibly hard on Vicky and her family. Christmas of 2014 was watching their strong go-getter, wife and mother, laying in bed, unable to move. In February 2015, three months after the intense chemotherapy, doctors told Vicky that there was no sign of the disease in her body and that the treatment had worked. As with the teeps, the felines are told that they can go home, they can continue their normal lives, and that Vicky just needs to continue with regular visits to her gynecologist and doctor. 
Vicky and Irene's story became almost identical. Yeah. With the feelings, fe- feelings feeling elation at being able to live their normal lives and not have cancer define it. But as with Irene, bad news was on the way for Vicky. Two years later, in 2017, Vicky underwent a routine checkup. After an internal exam, Vicky was referred for a CT, ca- CT scan for completeness. And whilst in the consultant's office, she would learn something that would not only change the course of her life, but the course of hundreds of women's lives. Just to say, Go on. this woman got diagnosed with cervical cancer, mm. got the all clear, mm-hmm. went back for testing. Mm-hmm. And this is what a doctor told her in the consultant's room. She had no idea about any of this, by the way, when she gets told this. So when women are diagnosed with cervical cancer in Ireland, an audit is carried out by cervical check on the sneers. This is done to try and improve the system, apparently. Vicky's test, as well as Irene's test, would have been audited and any information found regarding abnormalities should, by protocol, be forwarded to the patient. Yeah. So if there's, if they do an audit, which is normal, they're like, hey, we actually, this is different. We found this. The patient gets it and the doctor gets it. That's the way it should work. Vicky's consultant sat across from her and informed her of the audits. As I said, Vicky knew nothing about this. Vicky, who was completely unaware of this, listened as she was told that her smear in 2011, which had been reported as normal, was in fact not normal and had a false negative, meaning abnormalities were present. Despite best practices, Vicky was not made aware of this until that day in 2017. Vicky's doctor, however, had known for one year previous of this audit and never told her. Why? Get into that. The consultant then informed her um, that had she known of the results during the audit, that this would have resulted in her having a hysterectomy and avoiding chemotherapy. Yeah. Vicky and her family were shocked and left reeling after this discovery, and the worst was yet to come, as the results from the scan showed Vicky's cancer had returned. She had a large tumour almost 10 centimetres on her paraaortic lymph nodes, the cancer was aggressive and Vicky would once again have to undergo chemotherapy. Vicky, from extensive research, learned of a drug. It's called Pembrolizumab, or Pembro for short, which is available in America, but it's not licensed for cancer patients in Ireland. Vicky went to Maryland for a clinical trial after a successful GoFundMe campaign. Whilst there, she remembered having to FaceTime her son during his birthday as she was lying about getting Jesus. treatment. This is a fucking nightmare. Despite treatment, in January 2018, Vicky and her family received the terrible news that Vicky's diagnosis was terminal and she was given six months to a year to live. In what year? Uh, 2018. So she outlived it. She beat that. The news was devastating, but Vicky being Vicky stepped up and decided she would not die, allowing the HSE to get away with not giving her a correct diagnosis and she would not die knowing other women would be suffering the same fate. Mm-hmm. In April 2018, Vicky Phelan pursued a legal action in the High Court against the HSE and the US Lab Clinical Pathology Laboratories, or CPL, who the HSE outsourced for their smear results. Vicky's friend and solicitor, Keon O'Carroll, argued that if the abnormalities had been detected in Vicky's smear in 2011, she would have survived the cancer and lived a long and healthy life. Instead, 43-year-old Vicky would be dead within 12 months. Correspondents were admitted to the High Court showing that Gronya Flannery, the clinical director of Cervical Check, and Kevin Hickey, Vicky's gynaecologist, had a difference of opinion for over a year 
on who should tell the women woman diagnosed with cervical cancer that upon auditing their results were incorrect. Sorry. So for a year they, they fought. fought with each other on you tell her. No, you tell her. No, you tell her while this woman was developing terminal cancer. That's the head of cervical check and her doctor. So he knew for a full fucking year that she had cancer and never told her. So I can't find anything about him, by the way. What's his name? Uh, what did I say? Kevin Hickey. Hopefully he's struck off. I doubt it. From the Irish Times. So this is from the Irish Times. Flannelly told Hickey in an e- email in July 2017 that a quote, balance needs to be struck in deciding who needs a formal communication of the outcome of their audit. Hickey subsequently decided to tell the woman after arguing since the summer of 2016 that it was the responsibility of cervical check, not the clinician to inform the woman. So instead of telling this woman that she had cancer, these two grown-ass medical professionals argued with each other over email and who should tell her because neither of them wanted to take responsibility. Yep. It was learned that in 2014, the audits and the res- on the results of these audits that they were doing were used for, quote, educational and training purposes within cervical check. But not to... Not to tell the people that they had cancer. One year later, in 2015... The who H- was auditing the audits? Who was auditing the department that we'd outsourced this to? The, H- the health executive in Ireland. So they were... So we outsourced to America. Yeah. They sent the results back, but America weren't being audited. So no one audited... The audits were coming back, but they weren't auditing the United States. They were, they were just doing the audits, sending them back, and then we were like, oh! And not doing anything about it. Sarah, when I tell you nobody did anything... Nobody did anything knew all about this and nobody did anything because they didn't want to take the blame for it. And so people died. So it was learned that in 2014... Oh, no, I read that. Sorry, beg your pardon. Um, so one year later in 2015, the HSE decided that the audits of the tests should be passed on to the patients. Oh, great. Doctors, the patient's doctors, and then passed on to the women, quote, as appropriate. What does that mean? You're picking and choosing who you tell? Yeah. So this is from... Like, Sar- so if you've got terminal cancer and you're going to die, yeah. is that as appropriate? Like, as like, appropriate Because what's the point in telling you because you're going to die? As opposed to telling a woman that maybe got a cervical check in May and you do an audit in, fe- in yeah. August. Are you telling her? Like, is that are as you appropriate? Just, are you just hoping for her next one that it'll show abnormalities so you don't have to tell her about the previous one? That's what was going on. That's literally what was happening. And they sat on their hands and these people died. So this is from Simon Carswell in the Irish Times verbatim. He said the screening program told doctors in a circular. So they received a memo in July 2016 that the revised test results should be added to the woman's file. So remember I was telling you about Irene and her folder. Yeah. That piece of paper with her revised test results was shoved into that folder but she wasn't told about it. So it was in the middle of the papers but she wasn't told. They were told that, quote, as a general rule of thumb, that the woman should be told about the results, but the clinicians should, quote, use their judgment in selected cases where it is clear that the discussion of the outcomes of the review could do more harm than good. So, yeah, if you're going to die, we're not going to die. Tell we're you. not going to tell you. Like, and we're going to take that file and we're going to shove it into the middle and you're not going to read it. In cases and where... This is a cover up. This is a cover up, Sarah. This is... This is a crime. This is a crime. I don't know why everybody's not in jail. Like, that's a cover-up. I know what was wrong with me today next I did this. But, like, this is a crime. Yeah, that's a... That's, the, this, the, 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 the basis of what crime. you That's a cover-up. Yeah. 
Why isn't it presented as a cover-up? It's insane. Why is it's it not, presented not as a mistake? All. If they keep saying it's a mistake. And, it, and but that's a cover-up. Stephen Teep said this thing where he was like, it wasn't a mistake. They actively ignored it and wouldn't tell people. And then that's not a mistake. Like, if they're dying, sure. Just maybe, don't tell there's them. no point. And we'll put it in their file. Literally, when I say they put it in a file, they physically put it in a file. So patients had their folders. Yeah. They just slotted it in. Job done. So, in cases where a woman had died, Can you change the name of this, by the way, because it's not the. It's like the. It's not a scandal. It's a crime. It's a. It's a cover up. Yeah. So, in cases where a woman had died, doctors were told simply to ensure that the result is recorded in the woman's notes, and ne- and never tell the family. Never tell the family, and they never would have found out only for Vicky Field. Then nobody would have found out. How do these doctors? I don't know how this like how because like uh, you know Ireland and I know Ireland. Yeah. The oncologist consultant for St James's Hospital for for any like every form of cancer works in every hospital yeah. in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Like we're so small. That's the thing, and this is what I'm saying. Everybody knew this was going on, Sarah. Like so, like the per like the the specialist for cervical cancer in St James's Hospital is also the specialist in the Hermitage. Mm-hmm. Is also the specialist in the Beacon, and that's why I'm saying. There's no way in hell they didn't know. For fuck's sake. So this note... I need to break something! (laughs) So this note that they're talking about was a single page hidden in Irene Teep's folder. So just... I felt so bad for Stephen because she was like... He would talk about the folder. He was like, this folder was huge. And it had all her information. And he was like, and I didn't know that piece of paper was in there. No, I'm sure. Why would he? And it's almost like he felt guilty about it. And she was the lady that was interviewing was like there was no way you would ever know that you were not a doctor you were not a physician she was like you could have seen that document and not even known what it meant Mm. so on the 26th of April 2018 Vicky Phelan settled her high court case against the US lab responsible for the results of her smear for 2.5 million euros she didn't get enough as Vicky stood outside the courthouse surrounded by journalists she became the spark that would light one of the most heinous scandals in Irish history. So this is what Vicky said outside the courtroom and it's incredibly sad and I I watched it once and I was like, right, that's enough of that. She said, there are no winners here today as her husband John stood beside her comforting her. I am terminally ill. There is no cure for my cancer. My settlement will be mostly spent on buying me time and on paying for clinical trials to keep me alive to enable me to spend more time with my children. If I die, and I truly hope that won't be the case, the money will provide for my family. The women of Ireland can no longer trust in the cervical check programme. Um, mistakes can and do happen, but the conduct of the cervical check and the HSC in my case, and in the case of at least 10 other women that we know of, is unforgivable. To know for almost three years that a mistake had been made and I am misdiagnosed is bad enough. But to keep that information with, from me until I am terminally ill and to drag me through the courts to fight for my right to the truth is an appalling breach of trust. I truly hope some good will come of this case and that an investigation to the cerv- cervical check will take place. She's bawling her eyes out as I can't deal with this. This is the worst part for me personally. Vicky was asked to sign a non-disclosure yeah, yeah, yeah. agreement with the lab, but she refused. Yeah. She wanted to make sure that no other woman went through what she did, as well as bringing light to other cases and hopefully saving lives. 
Vicky's refusal to sign an NDA on the outcome of her case began an immediate questioning of the cervical check programme, the HSC and the government. The public demanded answers. A mere two days after Vicky went public, Minister for Health Simon Harris ordered an audit at cervical check. Oh, he's great, isn't he? He did a great job. Vicky's statement um, of 10 other women being affected was incorrect and it was discovered that 221 women had received false negative tests and were not made aware of the other results. Yeah. Walking around with cancer. Nikita is one of them. Insane. Like walking around... Nikita walked around with cancer. cancer. In this country, yeah. her smear came back clear, yeah. Emma. And at what age is she? She's 26? 26. 26. She has ovarian old. cancer. Yeah. Because, no, because they decided we're going to outsource this and then when we get the audits back, we're going to ignore it. And we're not, not going to tell problem. anybody. No. Of these results, 162 women were not aware of the audit and 17 were dead. Fuck's sake. The public were outraged and demanded the resignation of the head of the cervical check and of HSC chief Tony O'Brien. This man is a cunt, by the way. When I tell you he's a cunt. Tony who? Tony O'Brien. Then began. What was he the head of? Uh, he was the chief, HSC chief, that was his name. Then began the task of contacting the women who were affected by these botched results, as well as the families of the 17 women who died. So nine months after his wife's death, Stephen Teep was at work when a phone call came through on his mobile. It was the HSC. Stephen knew this as Irene had worked for the fucking HSC. What? So this was happening to her, she was working for the HSC. So he knew the area code. He saw like the 0429, whatever it is. And he was like, that's the HSC. Why the HSC ringing me? And the saddest thing about this is he was saying nine months after her death, he was still reeling, but he was like, I was picking pieces up. Yeah. I was, me and the boys were getting closer. He's like, I'd maybe go out every once every two weeks. He was like, I was able to laugh again. I was able to like play a game of football and not feel like just laying on the ground crying. He's like, so things were not getting better, but he was learning to live. Learning to live his life. And then he gets this phone call. It was the HSE. Stephen had been following, following Vicky's case, so he feared the worst. What if Irene had been one of the 17? Like he had seen what was happening. And he said part of him was like, nah, there's no way. And another part of him was like, what if it is her? The woman on the phone told him she wished to speak to him about his late wife, Irene, and audits that were carried out from cervical check. Stephen asked if Irene was one of the 17 and the woman on the other end of the phone simply replied yes. How did the, how did how did these people like? Is there just low level staff in the HSE making these phone calls? They literally they got a, a script and were like, yeah. these people and tell them that their dead relative is dead because we ignored audits." Like, would it not be more appropriate to be like, "We'd like to meet you face to face"? He's this. Stephen said that he said he's a phenomenal speaker. He was saying that Simon Coveney lived up the road from him. And he went to Simon Coveney's house one day during this and was like, come down to my house and please talk to me. So Simon, Con- Simon Coveney came down and he said, he sat with me and my two sons and I told him what was going on. And he said, because of the way the health executive were blocking the doll from knowing what was going on, he didn't know 80% of what any of this was. He was like, what are you talking? Because they weren't telling them. So they were blocking it and blocking it and blocking it because they were trying to cover their own asses. So he was like, I had a politician sitting in my sitting room, a member of the sitting doll, and he didn't know what the fuck I was talking about. So that's how bad it was. Stephen said a part of him knew Irene was going to be named, but the shock was too much and he had to end the phone call. He said he just went into an office. He was in work and just lay in the floor and cried. Jesus. Two nights later... Stephen and Irene's parents met with Irene's first cancer consultant. 
He sat across from them with an A4 piece of paper. Stephen looked at it and saw a line dividing the paper. On the left-hand side were the results from Irene's smears in 2010 and 2013, and written underneath it was the word clear. On the left-hand side were the audited results. Under 2010, it read precancerous cells detected, and in 2013 was early stages of cancer. Like, I've had precancerous cells yeah. in my smears. My sister has as well, yeah. And immediately she goes back and gets checked again. Like. Like. So if Irene's smear results were given to Irene at the time of it, she would still be alive today because the cells were only precancerous. It had not developed into cancer. By 2013, it had. And even if they'd caught it in 2013, she probably still would have lived. Yeah, because it's early stages. So, like, you can have a hysterectomy at that point. Stephen said that this information was given... When this information was given to him, he left the doctor's office and was given absolutely no support from the HSC in how to deal with any of this. He was told, "This is look, this is what it is. Bye. And he said when he was leaving the doctor's office, he was like, it was almost like he was high-fiving the next relative into the room. No support, not a cup of tea, not explaining what happened. And he said they were so in shock that they just didn't know what to say. And I actually think the HSC were betting on that, to be perfectly honest with you. So he said when he was leaving, there was just lines of people ready to go in and be told that your relative who's dead and or dying and or sick, we knew about this. But because we didn't want to bother, we didn't tell you. I swear to God. Stephen, feeling completely lost and devastated, decided that he wanted to help. He wanted to put Irene's story into the ether to ensure that this does not happen again in the future. He himself began to campaign for complete answers from the government and the HSC. He was like, I'm not letting this go. Obviously, fair play to him. One week after her high court case, Vicky Phelan was asked to appear on Ray Darcy's radio show. Mm. She spoke of her shock and disgust on the newly released figures of the women, both affected and dead. She said, quote, I'm actually very upset to think there were 17 women. It was bad enough that there were three, but to think there were 17. I could be another one of those women. If I died, I would have been on that list. Thankfully, I didn't. And I'm here to tell the tale. And by God, I'm going to take these guys on. I think it's disgraceful that they've what they've been doing to the women of Ireland. I never thought the problem would be of this magnitude. I really didn't think I'd be waking up this morning to this type of news and they fecked with the wrong woman. Oh! Vicky called for an immediate inquiry and not one that would take years. She was like, we don't want some fucking, you know, they're like, yeah. five years later and yeah. 75 grand. Like, she was like, I want it now. She also wanted the HSC to state why they fought so hard against her high court case, including asking for details of how sick she was and how soon she might die. What? Yeah. Yeah. That's what the HSC did. And we're just moving on. They were like, how, uh, how sick are you and you're gonna, when are you going to die? Sorry? Well, you should probably know that considering you hit the results of my smear tests for like six years. Quote, It's unset- upsetting to think they demanded proof that I was likely to die um, earlier than expected. I mean, Jesus, how dare they? So they were trying to figure out if she'd die earlier. So they so wouldn't they have, have to pay out? Pay out. Mm. So I just wanted to mention now uh, that the lovely Tony Hoolahan yeah. was involved in this. And Tony, when Vicky's case was over, and she asked, obviously, for an inquiry, an inquiry into this, uh, he asked, said to the government, don't do that. Don't do an inquiry. Uh, stop that. 
I'll just do a review. Yeah. I'll write a review for you. Use that instead. And the government were like, no, you're insane. We're fucked. So he saw this happening. He knew 17 women were dead and 221 other women were sick. And he thought, I'll just write a review. Yeah, I'll write a review. Fuck Tony Hulan. Take that to the fucking grave. So the Saturday after Vicky's high court case win, Grony Flannelly, head of the cervical check, stepped down. Stepped down. Should have been fired. And I'm sure she has a lovely big fat uh, pension. There should be criminal negligence. Criminal negligence they should be in jail. I don't understand, Sarah. I don't understand. There are people in jail for not paying their fucking TV licenses. There are people in jail for having like, you know, a bit of weed on them. What the fuck is going on? These cunts are like, they're criminals. Yeah. And 17 deaths are on their hands. And she got to step down. She got to step down. Oh, she was given a hot money. Oh, 100%. And walks away with a lovely fat pension in her back pocket. Yeah, yeah. Cunt. Harris told the doll that significant progress had been made in contacting the families of the 221 women lies. However, further controversy occurred when Harris submitted that a, quote, potentially considerable number of cases, excuse me, where women with cervical cancer had not been included in the clinical audit. So he was like, there's more. And we haven't contacted them. And we haven't contacted them. (sighs) So on the 10th of May, 2018, I'm going to talk about another lady now, 37-year-old Emma, I'm so sorry, Vic Vahuna, it's an Irish name. Yeah. Gave an interview to RTE Radio. Emma had a smear test in 2013 and as with Irene and Vicky, her results were clear. Emma was then diagnosed with terminal cancer in 2016. <laughs> she then received a phone call from the HSE telling her that her original smear in 2013 showed precancerous cells, but she was not informed. Yeah. Emma, a mother of five, recalled having to collect her children from school and tell them that she was dying. She said, quote, My gynecologist said that if my smear test was in 2013, that I wouldn't be where I am today. And that's what makes it so heartbreaking. I'm dying when I don't need to die. She told RTE, My children are going to be without me, and I'm going to be without them. I tried to do right by breastfeeding and being a full-time mum. And now I'm going to miss out, and I don't know if my little baby is going to remember me. How old was her baby? Oh, like one and a half. Emma's interview raised public outcry for the resignation of Tony O'Brien, chief of the HSE. He had been asked to resign by TDs weeks previously, but he was like, no. But this seemed to be what finally pushed him and he resigned. How would you say no? He said no. He was like, you're not trying to stop trying to push me out. His argument, when I hear his argument, uh, re- cervical check results are not 100%. We tell people that they're not 100%. That was his argument. That was his argument throughout the entire thing. It's not 100% accuracy. That's fine that it's not 100% accuracy. That's not the problem. The problem is you have audits yeah. that state these women have cancer and you actively ignored them. And did he ever comment on that? No, that's all he ever said. And then... And where's he gone? The lovely Simon Harris. I don't know where he is now. The lovely Simon Harris gave him a handshake and said he did a great job working for the HSE, kissing his ass. I would have been like, this motherfucker, this is, as you said, criminal negligence. These people are dead. And he knew about it. But he would, I mean, as the executive, right? As the head of it. The chief. He would have been um, involved in conversations about, like, well, he Vicky. Is, yeah. He, he, would he have received been the, memos, Sarah. He would have been the one asking questions yep. like, well, how long might she live for? Yeah, he received memos. He received emails. He, he knew everything. He knew everything. Mm-hmm. He knew everything. 
So Emma also took the US lab and the HSC to the High Court and won a settlement of 7.5 million. The judge approved the settlement, which included the HSC admitting liability for failing to disclose the findings of the audit carried out. In uh, Vicky's case, the HSC trial, that was thrown out. They didn't even... Yeah, they weren't okay. even, no, see, at this point, this is the too, shit hitting yeah, the fan shit here. The fan. So now here, they have to take liability. Yeah. So this woman has five children, five children Emma. Five children. Five kids. So Emma Vic Vatuna, I think is how you pronounce it, died on the 7th of October, 2018. She had five, five babies. Five kids. Five kids. So the government were questioned as to whether any concerns were raised about cervical check and the smear testing, and the answer was yes. Dr. David Gibbons, a former member of the screening program, raised concerns of the outsourcing of smear tests in 2018, but his concerns were dismissed. Gibbons, who was the chair of the Quality Assurance Program within the HSE, brought his doubts directly to Tony O'Brien, but he was not listened to, and in response, he resigned. So he went to Tony O'Brien and he was like, something's wrong here. Tony O'Brien was like, shut up, mind your own business. Tony O'Brien defended his decision to outsource, saying the results would be received quicker than being left idle for 18 months or being examined by doctors on their kitchen table. What? I don't know what that means. What the fuck? What, like, what? Also, they weren't being left idle for 18 months. You're a cheap cunt and you outsourced to the States because it was cheaper to do. Yeah. That's bottom line. That's why you also, fucking did it. what's the kitchen table I don't comment? understand what that means. Quote, on their kitchen table. I don't know what the fuck that means. <laughs> this guy sounds like a dumbass. Like, and he's... I don't like calling people ugly. Ugly motherfucker. He looks like Quasimodo. So people began questioning how much the HSC and the government knew about the smear uh, audits. And in May 2018, they received some answers. In March 2016, a memo sent to the Public Accounts Committee showed that the HSC were informed by the National Screening Service that it was about to start communications with individuals about a clinical audit that took place in 2014 with 1,200 cases involving cervical check. So they were told, we're doing this. Yeah. We have gotten this audit back. Something's wrong. Tony O'Brien confirmed that he read this memo. So he knew. Keen O'Carroll, Vicky Phelan's lawyer, showed memos that the cervical check were considering not telling patients about their misread smear test. Sorry? Yep. He said clear. Sorry, I beg your pardon. He said, quote, It is very clear from the memo that cervical check were still only contemplating telling the women and that this was only a possibility um, that they would be told if and when patients were informed. So they were like, we're thinking about it. What? How? Kean said the memos in question showed that the HSE did not view the failure to disclose the results of the misread tests as, quote, a patient safety concern. He said instead, it is absolutely clear from these memos that Cervical Check did not have an interest in investigating those risks. And if they weren't going to investigate them, they couldn't prevent further mistakes from happening. I think that makes them culpable in any subsequent mistakes yeah. that did arise. 100%. So a note was prepared for Simon Harris nine days before Vicky Phelan's case was settled, in which the head of the National Cancer Control Programme, Dr. Jerome Coffey, informed the HSC that the case was not a patient safety issue, but rather a limitations of testing issue. Harris was also told this case would attract publicity. So he said, this case is not about um, the patient being sick. It's about the limitations of screenings. It's not 100%, exactly what Tony Brown said. What the fuck? 
they're insane. Bitch, she's gone to the high court. This is coming out. Accept responsibility and make it better. Instead of going, it's not about the patients being sick. It's actually just about like the limitations. The, what limitations? You got audits. Yeah. You got, you got secondary information that was like, these people have cancer. And you didn't tell them. And you didn't tell them. That's not like a limitation. That's that's you fucking lying. That's your choice. And withholding the truth. I don't understand. I don't understand how... How are these people... How are... How, why is nobody in jail? I don't understand how Simon Coveney has an after the fact. Simon Harris. Or Simon Harris, after the fact, being like... Like, I got this memo. This is what I was told. What I was and told. now I've learned all of this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, how is there he not... He's too busy shaking Tony O'Brien's hand and telling everybody what a great job he did in the HSC. Yeah. In 2016, once once the NSS had decided to begin contacting uh, clinicians regarding individual cases of misdiagnosed misdiagnosed cervical cancer, so they were like, right, we're going to start doing this. We just have to start doing this, which is usually from the HSC in letter form. Um, Their main concern seemed to be the patients contacting the media. Oh, great, yeah. (laughs) The memo read, quote, there is always the risk that in communicating individual case reports to clinicians of an individual patient reacting by contacting the media if they feel that the quote screening did not diagnose my cancer so they their main concern was if we have 40 people with this diagnosis they're all going to say the screening did not show my cancer and we can't have that happen but yet they're also saying that the screening is not 100 percent. so what is it which is it has to be one contradicting themselves at every avenue so uh so they also said this is a risk that is inherent in having a clinical audit process as well as part of the national program. The clinical audit process will continue to gen- generate case reports from here on. So they were like, we're going to keep going. See what happens. The NSS and HSE decided to send letters to each patient affected, but ultimately pulled this idea to avoid what they presumed would be mass hysteria about screening programs. So you just let people die. It's not mass hysteria. It's not, it's not mass hysteria. You just let people die. Quote, all international screening programs will have encountered a media headline that screening my diagnose, screening did not diagnose my cancer. So that's their main concern. That's their main concern. That's to keep saying, screening did not diagnose my cancer. Screening but did not diagnose my cancer. If they just came out mm-hmm. and were honest. Honest. Fully honest. Because it's the lies and the entanglement that's yeah, the problem It's here. like, if you just came out and said... We audited, the audit picked up that the tests were incorrect Mm -hmm. and you got a false negative. Yeah. But what they're saying is the test gave you a false negative and that's just because, that's how the test works. It's not 100%. Yeah, the percentage of false negatives. So then by even that, like as a test sampling, as someone who would work in that field, the next step, if you, if the, if that if that was correct, right? Yeah. So let's say the test is not accurate. It's yeah. not 100%. Yeah. Then standardly what would happen is a department would be like, the test sampling is not accurate by about this amount. Yeah. By like 27% on average. So we know we need to retest yeah. around 35% to make sure we capture that 27%. And when they were asked why they didn't retest, they just kept saying this thing that they didn't want like a media hysteria and they didn't want people not getting service. So they turned it back around. They were like, we don't people want people not getting cervical checks. This could ruin the cervical check. Hell. You've already got 17 women are dead. 
220 have cancer and the worst part about it is that's Emma do you know what must have been so infuriating for the people who like are at low level like scientists they they know how this shit works 100% and they're all almost being insulted yeah with this shit and it's like the worst but the other part about this as well is I I can kind of feel what happened here is that there was two audits so if you got a test say whoever got a test in 2015 no let's say 2012 and then another one in 2015 both of those tests were showing audits were showing cells that were abnormal so they ignore, ignored the first, first one, one and and it rose and the second and one the second one. so the years were going by so their ex- excuse of oh it was a mistake we made a mistake it just didn't seem as real because it had been it done had twice. twice so that's what's happening like this here. is a cover up yeah it's a cover up it's a complete cover up um in 20 20- I have to leave <laughs> so then they paused all letters didn't send them out and waited for the advice of sisters so they had the letters ready to go and then they were like, don't send those letters. But how, like how, how do you expect a solicitor to give you advice if you're lying, lying to the solicitor? Lying through your teeth. Lying through your you're teeth. You're not telling the truth yeah. in the letter. Mm-hmm. And it's all this language that they're using and just to try and worm themselves out of what they did is so infuriating because this isn't like a company that makes shoes or you know makes bags this is a company that is dealing with the lives of human beings and they're going to die because of you so in july 2016 a further memo was sent to the hsc about managing media surrounding any potential situation that would arise now simon harris was not aware of this memo apparently okay do you know who was because he was health minister at the time mr leo vrecker no that can't so on the 26th of July, another victim of this scandal, Ruth Morrissey, took her case to the High Court against the HSC and the Clinical Pathology Laboratories. As with Irene, Vicky and Emma before her, Ruth's smear from 2009 and 2012 were wrongly reported. And we're both audited, Emma. Yep. She was only informed of this in May 2018 after Vicky's case by her, by her doctor because he, quote, had to. What do you do with that? Like, I don't know what to do with that. Yeah. I just don't know what to do with that. Cause just, he, like, imagine saying to somebody, you've cancer, I just ha- had to tell you. I had to tell you that we didn't diagnose the yeah. cancer. Because he had to, and he would have known about this as well, previously, like Vicky's doctor. He would have known for like a year, maybe two. <laughs> Ruth was told in early 2018 that her cancer had returned and it was terminal. Oh, Ruth and her husband, Paul, were awarded 2.1 million and Chief Justice Frank Clark found that, quote, the US lab that examined her 2009 smear were negligent and in breach of, of duty and that a second Dublin-based lab failed to ensure that her 2012 smear sample was adequate for testing. Although he did not find the HSC liable, he stated that they have, quote, a duty of respect of patients availing of cervical check. So oh, the HSC okay. were getting out of this because they were sending it off somewhere else. Ruth Morrissey died in July 2020 at the age of 39. She was a year older than me. Vicky Phelan wrote of Ruth, quote, Ruth was one of the strongest women I know and also one of the most positive. I never once saw her without a smile on her face face, and I saw her when she was very ill. My thoughts today are with Ruth's husband, Paul, and her beautiful daughter, Lily, who Ruth adored. Is that the lady that had the big funeral in town? Ruth and Vicky had become friends because in July 2018, a support group, support group named 20, oh my God, a support group named 221 Plus uh, was founded 
for women and families affected by the cervical check scandal. The group was led by Vicky Phelan, Lorraine Walsh and Stephen Teep, who's Irene's mm. husband. So 221 Plus, uh, they do work for any families affected by this. So if you want to have a look at their website, please do. I think that you can fund donate, them as yeah, well. Donate, yeah, donate. So the 221 Plus Patient Support Group was established in July 2018 to provide information, advice and support to the women and families directly affected by failures of the cervical check screening program that came to light following Vicky Phelan's court case in April 2018. The group is governed by a steering committee, which includes representatives from the Irish Cancer Society, the Marie Keating Foundation, the Irish Parents Association and several members. We are a completely independent organisation and are not operated by the HSE or the Department of Health. Oh, I wonder why. They made that known. They're fucking right. So we're getting close to the end of this part, part one. So as Vicky continues to campaign for the women and families of the state of this state failure, as well as receiving experimental treatment for her cancer. So she was the money that she got from her trial. She was on this pill that was eight and a half grand a week, a week. Jesus. And she was paying for it out of her own pocket. And she said one of the main reasons that she's doing what she's doing is because she understands that people cannot afford these scans. They cannot afford this medication. She was like, out of these 221 women, she was like, how many of them can afford to go to the United States and get treatment? How many of them can afford to go and get like an experimental pill? Most of them can't. And the H, like our HSE is over, already overrun. So she was like, I want to try and help these women. And that's one of the main reasons she did what she did. So as well as receiving experimental treatment for her cancer, president of the epidemiology and public health section of the Royal Society of Medicine, Dr. Gabriel Scali, was appointed to the HSC to conduct what was called a scoping inquiry into the cervical check screening program. So that's where I'm going to finish today because I'm very warm and annoyed. <laughs> and next week we are going to talk about the scoping inquiry. Uh, we're going to talk about other victims of this. We're going to talk about government's horrific inaction, the HSE's horrific inaction, the health service executive's horrific inaction, um, and also, obviously, what happened, Vicky, I'm sure everybody knows anyway. Um, but yes, that is so far the story of Vicky Phelan. And as Sarah said, not the scandal, it's a cover up. but the cervical check cover up and crime. Yeah. And everybody should be in fucking jail. Yeah. Um, That's what this week's episode's called. Yeah. Everybody should be in fucking jail. No, we're calling it <laughs> the cervical check cover, cover up. up. Um, because when you're reading these stories... Um, there's actually a documentary about Vicky's life out at the moment if anybody's interested you it's can actually it's a very very hard watch I don't know. you can watch it on the IFI website I think it's 10 euro to watch it yeah. on the if anybody from any other countries are interested um, it's harrowing it's awful because what happened what hap- tends to happen with these things is you can talk about a person and you can talk about these oh, people that died and it's horrific but then you see their families the, the, I just like we saw the trailer and I was like I can't, can't. do this the bit where her son, her son. Like her son breaks my heart. She she talks about how when she was in treatment, she went back into hospital again when she was terminal and he wouldn't speak to her because he couldn't. He was like, I miss you so much, but I'm angry. Yeah. And like, you know, her daughter, her daughter has some medical issues anyway. And, you know, she's like, I don't want to die because I don't know what, what my daughter's going to do. And I'm worried about her. And then you see Irene and Stephen and they have two little boys who are growing up without a mum. And he doesn't, you can hear it in him, he loves them so much, but he doesn't know what to do about this. You know what I mean? He doesn't know how to deal with it or how to help them. Um, And the fact that instead of standing up and going, we fucked up, 
let's fix this. Let's bring this medicine into the country. Let's put more money into the cancer research. Let's help this women. They deny, 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 deny. Yeah, until they And die. then issue their little apologies on Twitter. Why are you wishing apologies on Twitter? The like, fuck are you doing? We're so sorry, but you're not sorry because you covered it up. Yeah. You're only sorry because you got caught. Um, horrible. Horrible. I can't even begin to imagine what these people have gone through and what they're still currently going through. There's so many women. So many women. And probably more to come, I would say, as scary as that is to think. But, you know, it, it was almost like they wanted, the HSC wanted thanks for the fact that they opened up a cer- couple of cervical check clinics after this came out for 8,000 8, women to have their smears redone. I had to have mine yeah. done. 8,000 women because they were like, shit. Um, like, and cancer is not nice. But they, the the doctor told me that I had the opposite. That I had a false... Positive? Yeah. Mm. Because my, so I had like precancer cells and um, I then had like got called back and I have like... No. No pre-cancer And cells. I don't, like, remember they were like, you have HPV, mm-hmm. but I don't have HPV. And the thing about it is as well. But like, honestly, scary. after hearing all of this, is that tr- true? I know. And, and, and Vicky, during her interview with Ray Darcy, she said, you know, I don't have any faith right now in the HSC or the cervical check committee. She was like, but I still want women to get tested. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I that's think, the thing, I you think, know? right, like, to a degree, <laughs> that whole thing of, like, the mass hysteria and, the, like, like that's just them looking for an L. Yeah. But there is, like, when you do hear the, like, why would I have faith in yeah. it? Because then when people are sick, you want them to die. Literally. Like, you want them to die yeah. so that your mistake dies with them. They, they were... Just to think about the physicality of taking a piece of paper and sliding it into a file. Emma. And closing the I file. I have been in positions, because I work in quite a senior role, mm. and I have done. I have been in positions where clearly it's not life or death, and clearly it's not this, where people say things that are literally trying to cover up their mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... This is like on a level like to to be like right. I'm gonna give this to the I'm gonna give this letter to the consultants and then the consult because that's what's happening. Yeah. The consultant is then giving it to a nurse in his consultant's yeah. office, being like, put that in that put file. That in her file. Or what they're getting is a file a file of them to be like, put that in this file, put that, that in this file, and make sure like it's not a, it's not a new. It doesn't go at the back. No, don't talk about it. Also, don't mention it. Also, if that person dies, well, I mean, we just leave it in there for now. And as a, as a person who has taken, like a doctor has taken, what's the oath? The Hippocratic Hi- Oath? Yeah, Hippocratic Oath. Yeah. A Hippocratic Oath to then spend a year fighting with a lab in America to be like, no, you should tell this person. Fighting, not should I tell fighting this person? with a lab. Fighting with Gorana Flannelly, who was the head of the cervical jack, who was like two grown professional doctors. They're not professional. Not anymore. Professional doctors that were like, you tell her. No, you tell her. No, you tell her. No, you... For a year and this woman was developing terminal cancer. And we're meant to like have faith in this. How would you have faith in this? What else are they like? Because when that comes up, the immediate thing is, what else are you lying about? What else are you covering up? This, as you said, Sarah, this is 100% cover up. It's a cover up. And Ruth shouldn't have died. Irene shouldn't have died. Emma shouldn't have died. And Vicky shouldn't have died. And those uh, 13 other women should not have died. And 220 plus women should not have died. And the people who are currently dying now. Yeah, because that's what's happening. And, you know, people think, oh, they get money from the HSC or whatever, blah, 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 or from the courts. Who gives a fuck? Sorry. Their, their if, kids are being left with no regardless parents. Regardless of, like, 
if you get money she was taking a pill that was eight grand a yeah. week that girl Lindsay Bennett who died not last week yeah. the week before she was going to Germany and doing these like insane like medical trials trials yeah and the only reason she was doing it was to stay alive for, for her, her kids. kids and every one of them says the same thing they say I, I want to be alive for my children like that's all they and it, it's like how 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 can you look at that and think anything other than this is a crime it's a crime it's Emma. a crime you are and I'm it, what it, else it is is that like it just this country has a history of abuse and mistreatment of women yeah a horrific habitual constant abuse of women in this country and it is not it is not extreme to be saying that it's the truth from day uno in this country women have been second class citizens fourth class citizens we are treated like we're not important we're dirt like they if i don't know if this would be going on if they were men to be perfectly honest with you like sometimes i wonder if this was about like a prostate exam or something would this be happening because it just seems that they're they're just throwing it away because it's women it's fine they're set it's fine there's 200 of them I'm just sick of it. I'm just sick of it because I was thinking about Savita the other day and it's just... It's never ending, dude. And we take we take four steps forward and ten steps back. Yeah. Like, you know? We just, like, we go from, like, the mother and baby homes to, like, no, no healthcare to, okay, someone had to, like, people had to die and this woman had to get sepsis and die slowly and painfully and had to be told, oh, we're a Catholic country for in a hospital for us to be like, oh, actually, do you know what? That's not right. And mm-hmm. it didn't happen immediately either. We had to go out and fight for yeah. it. And it happened a really long time after she died, but she was just a, like, the spark, right? Yeah. And then, oh, they have cervical cancer, but like, we'll, like, hopefully they die. Hopefully they die. And, and no one's going to read yeah. the file. That's literally what and it no was. One's go- and then, yeah. like, this one woman is like, I'm not signing your NDA. Mm-hmm. And like, uh, that's what I, when I read that about Vicky, I was like, wow. Because if she had signed that NDA, she would have been given more money and it would have just been like. Disappeared. Yeah. Like Vicky, like, Vicky was She in, made amazing. that, and only, I'd say that they would have offered her that NDA in the beginning. Yeah. And because they had a meeting initially. Yeah, yeah. No, they would have offered they, her an NDA. I'd say and they offered her like sum. 20 million or something. Yeah. yeah. And then she was like, no. And that's when they were like, well, we need proof of how sick yeah. you are. And we need proof are you that gonna you're going to die. die. When are you going to die? And we need proof that you're as sick as you yeah. say you are. And how and long have you got left? Also, because this is the first in the court and there's no precedent, and it's an Irish judge who's set up by the government. It's like, oh, the HSC aren't liable. Yep. The like, HSC they actually aren't liable. aren't liable. They did nothing wrong. The HSC did nothing wrong. And then obviously when Vicky took this further, they were like, oh shit. Oh, yeah. No, she did. And the then the next family defend- gets 7.5 And million. then the next family gets blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And like, it's just, like, that Emma, that girl Emma, five children. That girl Lindsay Bennett had two two girls and was had no partner. Just what, what are they meant to do? What are they meant to do? Like, like I'm nearly sure she was like younger than us. No man. Oh. Anyway, we better end the Sorry. episode because we're just like ranting yeah. and going. And now we're doing this thing where we're doom ranting on. We each did other. need the tissues, and we did use the tissues. <laughs> I bought the good tissues, lads. I bought the Kleenex balsam. Just uh, to anybody that actually has been affected by this, if anybody is friends or family, because I'm sure there is. And also, I know that I said those things about my spear, but please get your smear. Yeah. And please, if you're not sure, get a second. Get opinion. a second opinion. Like I know they're expensive, but like go to the women's uh, clinic in yeah. town and get a smear, yeah. and then be like, actually, can I get another? One. Yep. If like, you're if you're ever unsure, and as Vicky said, she listened to her body. 
she just listened to her body. She was like, something's wrong. So as much as we've talked shit about the cervical check, there are private clinics that will do it for you. There's uh, fundraising, actually, a lot of fundraising going on to help women um, with regards to healthcare. So I'll try and get some links for that. Um, You know, this is horrible. And I'm sorry, just to anybody who is, you know, very closely affected by this, to anybody with family members who have cancer or sending our love and to anybody that was affected by this horrible crime because that's what it is we're sorry and we really hope things just get a little bit better for you guys um we will be back next week with the rest of that horrible story yeah so so thank I'll, you all so much thank for, you listening. for listening and um, sorry yeah, we're sorry that it, but like this one's a tough one. Oh, right? it's a bummer, lads. It's a tough one because it's oh, fresh and it's yeah. a tough one because Vicky just died. Um, and it's a tough one because it's ongoing and it's a tough one because no one's being held to account. No. People are just like, the government are just throwing money at yeah. this problem. Yeah. Um, and people are getting like off left, right and centre. What I would say is anybody that listens to this who isn't from the Republic of Ireland, if you can share the story. Yeah. Like, and great. if you can go onto the website of what was the name of the it's 221 plus yeah so the plus symbol, and, that's the and name of the website. like you don't have to donate just get awareness yeah um the more people that are aware this is happening like i'm sure that company in america are still working I'm oh sure one thousand percent yeah um but yeah thank you all so much Thanks, for listening guys. i'm not going to say happy christmas no um and we hope that happy nightmare have we hope that you have as good as a week as you possibly can and we hope that you're looking after yourselves um, we shall see you next week we'll see you next week bye going down this morning <laughs> down the hatch Colin 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 she said it's just a Trying to be that bitch uh, I'm just up here Trying to make a difference Drinking for the nerve But I'm all fucked up And I'm worried about my hair And my makeup Makeup uh, I made me matter for a minute For about an hour I was all up in it Now I'm locked down Shivering the secondhand shade And I hate on every choice That I ever made Ever made This life just isn't to my taste So I beat my face Villain origin story Cause not too long ago I was just a regular girly Too preoccupied with boys And spending all of my money On some see-through material Just to cover my body That's right. Then one night I had an accident That set me apart I was exposed to an element And it captured my heart Yeah, those ill-begotten daughters Of the glamorous game Yeah, they gave me a home And let me pick my new name So I took to the stage Just like a knife to an artery And I gave you my spirit And made this killer a part